Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer, Sr. And this year, we're in a theme called Dig Deeper. We want to help our people to dig deeper in their understanding of God in their understanding of Jesus and in their understanding of the scripture. And this particular series that we're going through is called Make It Make Sense. So in the words of those school of prophets, the backyardigans, <laughs> in this episode, we're going to get into the thick of it <laughs> and talk about how to approach the text and study the Bible. Pastor Pointer, I, um, you know, I like watching some food shows sometimes and I like seeing folks recipes and how they share those recipes on food shows. Uh, sometimes, sometimes folks, when they get a secret, they don't want to share it with people. Oh, yeah. When they got that secret recipe, you know, grandma, she's like, nobody else is cooking this sweet potato pie. I'm going to cook it every <laughs> year yeah. and I ain't giving y'all my recipe. Yeah. But I'm grateful that in this episode and on tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the recipe to approach the text instead of the Bible. So y'all, y'all about to get Pastor P's secret sauce <laughs> to approaching the study of scripture. I know on Sundays when they watch you, they're like, man, how did he get that out of the text? And you were just able to use tools and God was able to illuminate the text to you through those tools and we want to be able to share some of those tools with folks on this particular segment right yeah, and, and pastor john i think we we need to establish up front and you just said it that understanding the bible is a spiritual exercise yeah. um it is a work of the holy spirit the holy spirit inspired it and the holy spirit illuminates it yeah. um so as the holy spirit inspired the writing of, of scripture we talked about that i think in our first uh, study together it, it is the breathed out mind of God to humankind. That's what the scripture is. So I approach it not merely with an academic mind, mm -hmm. but spiritually. So um, approaching the text, we're going to get into um, these tools, but you know, the first and most significant tool is prayer and humility. Yes, sir. Uh, that, that's the biggest deal <laughs> when you come to the Bible is, is, is earnestly seeking God. We spoke about it, how the Bible, one of the pictures of it is, is food mm -hmm. um, and, and how important it is to be fed yeah. in your soul, mm -hmm. the word of God. So we're approaching this um, not to show how smart we are and biblically astute and, and spooky. Mm -hmm. we're, we're approaching this because in order for our spirit man to be fed and our soul to continue to be made more like Jesus and to cope <laughs> with life and its issues and, and, to, and to deal with relationships responsibly and righteously and to manage um, being a, a pilgrim in this very wicked world, 
I need the scripture. I need God to speak to me. Mm. Um, and God has spoken in God's word and God speaks to me as I study it. So that's the first, that's the real, that's the critical thing. And, and then beyond that, yeah. then we put in these practical tools with each step and in each instance asking God, Lord, speak through this. Yeah. Lord, speak through this. And then the weight of the responsibility of teaching mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. You know, James 3 says not many of y'all should become teachers. Yeah. And and the reason he says is because you, you will receive a stricter judgment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, weighty words as we look to even teach mm-hmm. uh, folks these tools. That's why we approach are to approach the text with prayer, mm-hmm. with humility, knowing that it's not our intellectual astuteness that um, we're trying to demonstrate, but knowing that that God has given us a call to be able to equip the saints yeah. for the work of ministry. And part of that work of ministry is their own spiritual disciplines and yeah. understanding God's word. And our equipping role is a role that we're going to be held account to, yeah. uh, to account and, for. And, and I want to give another why for this, because some people say, well, Pastor Pastor, Pastor John, you guys do that. Y'all, y'all get those books out and, and look those things up, and you guys deal with all of those detailed things, and just tell me what it means. Mm-hmm. Well, that's 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 when you're a baby, your mom has to nurse you, and then they move you to baby food, and, and your mom has to feed you, and here comes the airplane. <laughs> but if you're 5 and 6 and 9 and 12 and 32, and your mom is still saying, unless there's some um, something abnormal going on, if, yeah. unless you're differently abled. If your mom is still saying, here comes the airplane, then that means there's something wrong. You should be able to feed yourself. Mm. People say, I'm, I'm leaving this church because I'm not being fed. Well, that it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's our job to speak to, to the group collectively, the congregation collectively, uh, di- for direction. And, and, and there are individual responsibilities that come from each sermon and lesson. But you should be feeding yourself. You should be able to go to the word and get a word Mm. for yourself. And that's what we want to equip you to do. Our job is to equip you uh, to handle the Bible responsibly and feed your own soul. Yeah. So for the next several sessions, we're going to walk through the main components of what we think is biblical reading and interpretation and do it in a way that hopefully is memorable for folks. So, Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about observation interpretation and then application now here's the problem people skip steps in that process oh yeah and that's when they get in trouble yes because observation uh, application without doing any observation and investigation you ain't got nothing to apply you don't you don't even know what you're talking about yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you investigate and look to other sources before you start your own observation right. then you're going to be having other people's thoughts before you're able to engage with the text yourself, right? And, you know, the Bible seems to commend those persons, uh, the Bereans, who hearing Paul teach and hearing Paul proclaim the gospel, the Bible says they went and searched the scriptures for themselves mm. to see if those things were true. And um, and that's what we want to equip you to do so so that you know what to do because you know what it means. Yeah. And that's what we're going to start with tonight. Start with observation and looking at what's in the text itself. Uh, William Hendricks puts it this way in terms of observation. He says, what is it that I see? Yeah. What do I see see in the text? So that means 
all these all those tools that we're gonna teach y'all don't pick those things up yet yeah uh, we need you to use this tool first yes. and we're going to show you how to use that tool and you just basically are becoming someone who asks the right questions of a text yes and let me just say this i know it sounds weird to question or ask questions of the bible but guess what the bible can handle all your questions it can handle them i promise you <laughs> yeah. so so tonight on this episode we're going to talk about uh what we call in seminary mm -hmm. this is a big word y'all write it down okay it's called exegesis e-x-e-g-e-s-i-s -E -E -S -S. exegesis yeah exegesis and it literally means taking out from that's it. That's the idea. Exegesis. It's its opposite is eisegesis. It's E I S E G E S I S. Eisegesis is putting in. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a great uh, meme online of a person like throwing a bucket of water into a river or something like that. <laughs> That's what eisegesis is. It's putting my ideas mm -hmm. into the text as opposed to letting the text tell me what it means. I'm trying to make the text mean mm -hmm. what I want it to mean. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's irresponsible and it's not going to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so this is big because a lot of preachers and teachers um, do eisegesis. They put a meaning into the text because the plain meaning of the text or the simple meaning of the text just isn't sexy enough for them mm -hmm. or, or doesn't sound deep enough for them or, or, or they just want to make a point. <laughs> There's something they want to say, and they try to make the Bible say it. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like that literal meaning there, where it says uh, "lead out," because mm -hmm. the text is leading a meaning out of the text, yeah. rather than you, as you said, um, making that text mean something that it doesn't mean. Mm -hmm. So, what we want to start with in terms of our observation is the investigative questions that we ask now. Let me let me just start here, Pastor Pointer, because I know people are, are interested in hearing from you. So you starting to do a study mm -hmm. on a text. Mm -hmm. OK, um, what is your process outside of, you know, we talked about prayer, humility. What is the first thing that you do when you're starting to look at a text and you enter this observation stage? So it's going to it's going to sound like I'm being facetious or, or trying to be funny, but I'm not. I read the Bible. That's it. And then I listen to it. Mm. So I read it, read it, then I read it. And after I read it, I read it. Mm. Then after I read it, I read it again. Yeah. And I'm reading it over and over and over and over and over. We talked about it in our last session um, in different translations. I'm listening to it on my Bible app. I'm listening to it in as I'm driving. Um, I'm, I'm reading it out loud so I can hear it in my own voice mm. because what I want is I want to know the text. Yeah. Um, I, before, before I try to, um, well, I, I don't mean to make a crude analogy, but before I try to undress the text, I want to take it to dinner. For, let me get to know you first <laughs> <laughs> before I try to undress you. Uh, and so that's, that's the, that's the I, I want the text to, the words of the text to speak to me. And, and in doing that, um, because what we're getting ready to get to is the observation questions is I want to, especially in narrative portions of the text, um, I really want to see the scene. Mm. I want I want to I want to bring my God given imagination to the scene of the text. Mm. 
and and that's important. So if I'm reading something narrative in Genesis or something historical, uh, if I'm reading Acts or the Gospels, I want to see it in my mind hmm. because if I can, if I can, if I can, uh, one one old preacher says, you know, you want to sit in the living room and take your shoes off. Hmm. Um, if I can, if I can live in that text and see it and hear it and get to know it just on its face, yeah, it begins to work its way into my heart. Hmm just on its face before we do any in any of the observational things when I when I've done that um, then I begin to write down things I that are I don't know what is this for <laughs> what does this mean right um, just scratch notes just anything that comes to mind the words that are repeated you know kind of circle those what mm-hmm. this word is several times in this passage yeah. um, and then I begin to ask those questions to try to answer mm. Um. These observations. Yeah. What, yeah. What yeah. what what do I see? I think I see this. I think I see that. I, I see you know I see some emotion here. You got to remember these are real people. Yeah. In real circumstances, it's not um. This is this is this is actual life. Hmm. Um, and so what what was Jesus feeling when he hmm. went and and Peter betrays him and what you know what is he feeling when Judas uh, or Peter denies him Judas betrays him you know what hmm. is what does it feel like for Noah to have to build a boat yeah. when there's never been rain? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And that kind of thing. So all of those kinds of what are the real emotions and talk, mm. write those things down, scratch paper, write them down. It's not organized. Yeah. It's just raggedy. And then I try to bring some organization by asking the questions. I think this is very important. I need you all to hear what he just said. And I'm just going to simplify it just a little bit and say this one thing. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Don't be in such a rush to get through the Bible in a year. Mm -hmm. And the Bible doesn't get inside of you in that that year. Yeah. So I I need you all to hear what he said. He, He reads the text in various translations. He 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 imagines the text. Um, and what is going on in the text. It is not a bad thing to only read four verses Mm -hmm. and chew on those verses. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the word meditate Mm -hmm. is that word picture. We talked about word pictures last time. Is this rehearsing Mm -hmm. of a text. There's this meditation that happens. The the text in Hebrew in the Old Testament talks about a lion growling or gnarling on a a bone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so as we read this text, the 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 prominent advice I want to give you all is to slow down. You will see so much more in the text if you just take your time working through it. And 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 I want to emphasize that, Pastor John, because it's really really critical that we understand this is a spiritual exercise. Psalm one three says, "The one who is blessed is the one who meditates." in God's law day and night, literally muttering to oneself, mm. speaking it to oneself, chewing on it mm. over and over. And and you can do that all day. You can do that, you know what I mean, in the shower. You can do that um, eating, eating your Popeyes. I mean, you can do that, you know, just thinking about it, getting it in your mind and in your heart, um, just, just considering it, considering it. What might this mm. be? What might this look like what might this mean and then jotting those notes down man keep yeah. a pad with you put put the notes in your phone 
and uh, and then let's start let's start to look at let's do some observation by asking some questions. So so when y'all see Pastor Pointer preach on one verse, <laughs> and you're like, how did he get a whole sermon out of one verse? Well, he sat with that verse, mm-hmm. and he's sat with that verse. Yeah. And that's not been uh, something that he's just trying to say, I can preach on one verse. No, there's enough in here for me to exhort and encourage the people of God because I have been with this text. Very much and so. since this text has been with me, now I can exhort the people. Here's another important aspect, man. As we're reading through text, we have to internalize before we're able to proclaim. Yes. And if we're not able to internalize that text and think about how that impacts us, then we're not able to proclaim it to a people because it has not impacted us in the way that it should. Yeah. I mean, one of the worst things, and I I, I use this analogy often, I don't want to be the barber with a bad haircut. Mm. I don't want to be the dentist with the bad teeth. I don't want to be a doctor in poor health. I don't want to be a mechanic with a broke down car. I don't want to be able to fix yours <laughs> while good. mine is still. So I'd have to let the word work on me first. Mm. And so, you know, we're talking about what, what it means to, to get to proclamation. But, but my proclamation is with my mouth. You are to proclaim. Sometimes it'll be with your mouth, no matter who you are. But most of the time, it'll be with your life. That's right. And so your everyday walk is a proclamation of the gospel mm-hmm. or a perversion of it mm. if you claim to be a Christian. So every day, everything you do, every decision you make, how you treat people, um, how you live as a spouse, how you parent, how you uh obey as a child or disobey as a child, the kind of employee you are, the kind of boss you are, all of those things either affirm or skew people's view of the gospel. And in the same way, I've got to allow it to um, get in me so I can speak it out. Mm. It's got to get in you so you can live it out. Mm. Same way. Same thing. That's good. So, so we're sitting with the text, right? Mm -hmm. And, at this point, as we've sat with it and you started to uh, allude to this, but you're starting to scribble notes and ask questions. Now, here's the thing that should be encouraging to you all. We still got questions. Oh, goodness. When, when we read the text and we sit with the text, questions come up. What, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. Uh, Things that we did not see before, even if we preached the passage before, they, they come to our mind mm-hmm. and we start to ask those questions. So. Don't be afraid to have questions. You're not you're not spiritually immature if you ask questions of a text. As a matter of fact, it actually shows your spiritual maturity to be able to ask those questions because now you go on a journey to find the answers to those questions. And 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 here's what I here's another very critical thing. It's okay for me to ask questions. In fact, it's right and responsible and good for me to ask questions, but not only that, I got to learn that it's not unspiritual if I can't find the answer Mm. because the Bible does not exist to answer all of my questions. The Bible exists to show me the way of salvation, Mm. the need for it and the way of salvation in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what I am to do as a result of, uh, of believing. So (laughs) (laughs) listen, I have a bunch of questions about a bunch of passages, uh, that, and I've been doing this for some 30 years and, and, Mm. and, 
And I, I mean, there are still passages where I'm like, huh? We're going to go to the Bible Why? Nerd Club up in heaven yeah. once we get there and, and oh, have, oh, have oh, those conversations. I say all the time, <laughs> if you behind me in the line in heaven to ask God questions, the question line, you're going to be there a while. Now, <laughs> you better be glad you got eternity because you're going to be there a while. I got a whole heap of questions that I'm going to ask him. I'm going to be like, look, I read it. I studied. I prayed. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I rolled on the floor. I tried to. And, the, and you didn't answer none of it. So I just uh-huh. right now, Dr. Jesus, I want all the answers today. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, but, but it's not unspiritual to ask him. And it's not. You're not wrong if you don't get them answered mm. or you don't get them answered in a satisfactory way. Yeah, because some of the answers just don't sound good or feel good. They don't. They don't. So so let's get practical here for yeah. a moment and look at a passage in Scripture. I think this is going to be a fun passage. So I think um, people will enjoy this one. We're going to look at Matthew chapter number 17. And this is the transfiguration account. So y'all get your scripture out. Get you some pen and paper out and, and don't be afraid to write in your Bibles. Oh, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if you are of the, uh, you know, of the school of you don't write in your scripture. But goodness gracious, I got notes all in my stuff. And yeah. I'm like, oh. this is this is my my preaching, teaching Bible. But mm. if you go to my study Bibles that I've had since 1993, I got an old Ryrie study <laughs> Bible and a couple of others all kind of notes and, mm. and marks and all these kinds of things. And, um, and man, it's, it's, it's good and right and, and wonderful mm. Uh, mm. to mark up your Bible. Um, the, the, the old uh, colloquial saying, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a Christian that isn't. isn't. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. So we're going to look at uh, Matthew 17, the transfiguration account, and we're going we're gonna to slow walk our way through it. And... Uh, make our way through the text, but I want to just—I don't want to read the whole thing. I want to start going by verse by verse and just think about some questions that may come up as we're talking through it. Because, I mean, a question literally comes up in the first word. First word. So if I say I'm going to study Matthew 17, and I just go to Matthew 17, I got a question right away. <laughs> yeah. So. Listen to verse one, and we're going to talk about some questions that come up. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred questions right there. Yep. So first word after mm-hmm. and after after is it brings a question to mind automatically, right? After what? After what? After what? If you read this outside of what we are going to talk about with literary context, then you don't know what is after. If, if I just turn to Matthew 17 and say, I'm going to study this passage immediately, mm-hmm. it forces me, if I'm going to really understand it, mm-hmm. it forces me backwards yeah. into what we call the pretext mm-hmm. or what comes before this text. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to go back to chapter 16 yeah to see what after what yeah right and generally uh, my suggestion would be to read at least the whole chapter previously Mm -hmm. yeah so you can understand the context but also read the surrounding verses which would be helpful for you and even as you approach reading a passage like this i think first things first i would listen to the whole book of matthew yeah 
this is why we preach through whole books of the Bible and yeah. teach through whole books of the Bible. Um, and this is also why I exhort people to listen. Yeah. Because it doesn't take as long as you think to listen to a whole book of the Bible. It doesn't. It really doesn't. If you have it on your app, uh, in your phone or on your computer or something like that, playing while you're in the shower and getting dressed, you can listen to a whole book probably during your morning routine, most of them. Mm. Um, because, again, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. Mm. And so Matthew didn't say, all right, I'm ending chapter 16 here and starting chapter 17 here. Mm. A later scholar translator said this looks like a neat division because it's, it's a transition to another scene. So let me make a division here, and that'll be the 17th. We'll start 17 right here. And, and here's the thing. You don't, they don't do this anywhere else in life. Mm-hmm. We don't do this anywhere else in life. You don't walk into Spider-Man mm-hmm. at the 45-minute mark and walk out at 55 minutes and say, ooh, that was good. John, I tell people all the time, I have a very major pet peeve. <laughs> I cannot watch a movie if it's even one minute into it. Mm-hmm. I need to see the very beginning. Yeah. Because something may happen in the first 30 seconds. Yep. In the first 15 seconds, that's key for the whole rest of the movie. And and in that same way, when we're looking at books of the Bible, when we're looking at individual passages, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about context ad nauseum. We're going to talk about context, 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 context. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I like these kind of passages because they force you backwards. Mm-hmm. And so when you see like after, you see therefore, yep. you see however, when you see those kinds of words, mm-hmm. thankfully... They drive you backwards, which you're supposed to do anyway, mm-hmm. to look at the context around the one passage you're studying. Yeah, there are transition words that are there for a reason, mm-hmm. and you need to make sure you know what that reason is before you move on. Yeah. Because there's some theological reasons why mm-hmm. he uses some of this language, right? And it's connected to what's happening before here in the text. Absolutely. So that word after should immediately make you stop. Mm-hmm. Read at least chapter 16. Mm-hmm. And I say read the chapter after, too, because you got to understand what's happening before and after. And then maybe listen to the whole book. Yes. So that actually one word mm-hmm. may take a little bit longer. Yeah. But it's going to help you understand what's happening in the passage that we've selected yes. here in chapter 17. Very much so. Very much so. So after it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. All right. And then next up is and after six days. Now, question you would ask for that one. Well, and, and some of this I'm going to I'm going to preempt some of our later conversations because some of this is about yeah. cultural understanding. Yeah. Um, and and knowing some biblical information about the culture, numbers mean something, yeah. especially in Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. So six is a number. It's a significant number. And. And then what does it mean something here? Now, it doesn't always mean something, but sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. So is it significant that it's six days? It could just be six days or it could be six days. Mm-hmm. So I, that's another question I have. Right. Um, then the question that I probably won't get answered or, or may or may not is, you know, why wait six days? What was Jesus doing? Mm-hmm. Maybe he was just chilling. Maybe he went to see his mama. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it's no telling. But that's a question I would have, I, you know, yeah, after yeah. after six days. Well, what was going on in the interim period? Mm-hmm. Is there something between yeah. that's necessary to yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And here's what I want to at least do. I did encourage them to read chapter 16, but I do want to read verse number 28 mm-hmm. um, that appears in chapter 16. Mm-hmm. 
And this is um, him and his commandment to take up cross and follow him. He's already foretold his death. Peter's confessed him as the Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, here in verse 28, he says, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Yes. Let's put a pen there. Yes. Okay. Yep. So he said, there's some that are standing here who won't taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Yeah. Okay. So uh, after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, his brother. Now, my question here, why are you excluding folks, Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Why, why has got to be Peter, James, and John? What's important about these three men that you're taking them where nine others can't go? Yeah. And how do they feel about it? Mm-hmm. Why are they sitting in the corner looking at them going up on this mountain and they like, why we can't go, Jesus? Right, right. Right. And, and, you know, so I'm going to ask questions like, you know, it may be different for Bartholomew and, and Thaddeus and Matthew and, and that crew. But, you know, who I really want to ask, who I want to talk to is Andrew, because mm. James and John are brothers. Yeah. And Peter and Andrew are brothers. And Andrew was first. Yeah. He brought Peter to Jesus. So I want to know, Andrew, how do you feel about this? <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm a brother. If if Jesus is taking brothers into the what we call the inner circle is is generally what we refer to Peter, James, and John, Jesus inner circle. Mm. What why why Andrew? Then I want to ask Jesus. You couldn't let Andrew tag along. <laughs> you could. You couldn't let. I mean, I get I get Philip. I get you don't let Philip in and that kind of stuff. But Dag, man, I you know because you know human nature is man. I was first. You wouldn't even know him if it wasn't for mm-hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I, I bought him, I bought him yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. I introduced y'all. You know what I'm saying? How you gonna play me? But you know what I mean? But so these are questions I have of the text. Yeah. Now it, I may not get them answered, and I I won't. It, just fast forward. We we won't. We don't know about Andrew's feelings and Jesus' feelings toward Andrew. Yeah. And um and you know there are some ideas around yeah. Peter, James, and John and why Jesus chooses them. But that's the questions we're gonna yeah. ask. When we look at these people. And this is part of putting your, you talked about this earlier, put yourself in the text. Mm -hmm. Get the feelings of the other nine. Mm -hmm. Say, man, if I was there, I would would ask this question. Like, this is strange. Why is he, why is he doing this with just them? Mm -hmm. And this ain't the first time. Like, this happened a couple different times. So it's something, something different that's happening here. I'm a disciple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So ask those real Tough questions and, that and, they would ask. And then if, if I'm reading the text before it and the text after it, when I get to the text after, yeah. I'm going to see that the nine are in the valley mm. trying to uh, <laughs> exercise a demon. Mm. They can't do it. And then they get in an argument mm. about why they can't do it. Yeah. And so I would be especially salty that <laughs> <laughs> Peter, James, and John get to go up to this private meeting on the mountain. And goodness gracious, when I found out who they actually met what with, happened? I'm going to be very, very on fire. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> y'all then, saw that? Y'all, y'all had this major vision and shining and stuff. And I'm down here dealing with demons and, 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 and naysayers and <laughs> Folk cussing me out. I mean, you know, this this is a, you know, yeah. So I'm those, tired of this church. Yeah, yeah I'm tired of this church. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, but, but I'm going to ask those questions, man. Yeah. I'm going to ask those questions, and again, not not that it's always going to be answered. I want to mm-hmm. make. I want to drive that point home. Yeah. But that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm yeah. starting. Yeah, yeah. That's how we're starting. And look, we're still in verse one. Mm-hmm. Still asking questions, yeah. and there's another question that that. 
shows up here in verse one, he led them up a high mountain by themselves. Yeah. Now, the obvious question for me is, what mountain? What mountain? Mm-hmm. And why is it high? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> why you gotta say high here? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the importance about it being high, Matthew? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then verse number two starts with this word. It says, "And he was transfigured." Mm-hmm. Now, what are you saying with with that portion there? Yeah. What? It, what? It, first of all, what in the world is transfiguring? <laughs> what I ain't never transfigured nothing. <laughs> Me neither. No, no, how I ever been transfigured to my knowledge. Um, But what we're going to see is, you know, transfigure. It's going to be a change in form or Mm. or or a change in the the way something appears. Mm. Um, It's not a change in essence. I mean, when you look, this is we're going to look up the word in the English to find out what it means. Mm. We're going to do some. Eventually, we're going to get to some Greek Mm. (laughs) to see what it means, what the Greek word is, and what that means. But it's just change form. So I'm going to ask the question. Mm. The point is, the question is. What does this word mean? Because because mm. I'm going to circle that or highlight that, and I'm saying I need to look this word up. Yeah, this is a good word yeah. to be able to go back and look up and figure out what yeah, that I actually I means. I don't know what transfigure means. I'm not going to look up and. No, no. Like, that's not a word for a word study we'll talk mm. about later. But mm. words that really stand out that are rare or repeated, mm. those mm. are words I'm going to hone in on, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, words I'm not going to do and names mean something I want to know what names mean mm-hmm. I want to know the tense of verbs what verb tense yeah. this is and then words like this um, 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 names and nouns other nouns those mm-hmm. kinds of things places I want to know what those what those mean mm-hmm. um, and and then you know I want to look for um, when I'm asking questions I want to see um, when something sounds strange like is this is this literal or is this colloquial is this is this just a saying you know yeah or it does it does it mean is it literal yeah so yeah that's good that's good so uh we see and it says and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light mm-hmm. all right there are questions that come up there like why those descriptive terms why use that simile there with it shining like the sun and his mm-hmm. clothes being white um, are, are there meanings attached to those two descriptive phrases? Yeah, right? yeah. Why, why, why the sun? Why, why white? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then, why now? Yeah. Why now? Yeah, that's good. That's good. And and then verse three, um, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Okay. Wait. 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 Moses and Elijah. Yeah. Won't they Old Testament folks? Old Testament folks. Who are Moses and Elijah? Mm-hmm. What did they do? Mm-hmm. Why are Why they here? Why are you here? Why are you even here? Um and what what's the what is this meeting about? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna so so again, read slow. Yeah. You ready? Read slow. They appeared to them, right? But they were talking, talking to him. With him. Yeah. Peter, James, and John got to see Moses and Elijah, but they were not privy to the conversation. They couldn't hear him. Yeah. They why? Hear him. Why? Why? Why not let them in on the huddle? Mm-hmm. First, you take me up to the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I see you shine. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then I can't hear what y'all talking I, about. I don't get to talk to. Him. Like I can't even. Because, wait a minute, because I got questions for God, mm. but I got questions for Moses, too. Oh, 
plenty of them. I sure got questions for Moses and Elijah. I want to talk to y'all <laughs> next. I'll be there in a minute. After mm-hmm. I get done with my million thousand questions for God, I'll be over there in a minute. And so why, what, what are they talking about? Why are they here? Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So um, I'm going to look at one more verse, but what I want to do in this particular uh, session is challenge the folks to go through the rest of these verses through mm-hmm. verse 8. And ask, start asking some of your own questions. Write your questions. Write your and questions. write them down for us so that we can circle back and kind of hear what you're asking of this text. We gave you some examples in these first three verses. There are a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there'd be like 400 questions in these first eight verses yeah. that could come out. So we want to challenge you all, as we have done here, to in verses four through eight mm-hmm. um, here, ask some questions of this text. Yeah, and, and I would even say it's okay if you've got some questions in verses one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just ask, ask, ask around, ask those questions, and don't, don't try to answer them yet. Mm. Don't, tr- you know, or, or maybe something speculative, but don't hold on to what you think the answer is. Don't marry yeah. what you think the answer to your question is, because yeah. you might be wrong or there may not be an answer for you. That's good. Yeah. I, I do want to read what Peter says here. It says that Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Yeah. Oh, Peter. Oh, yeah. I always trying to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> so foot, foot in the mouth, Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Peter here makes a request of Jesus. He says, I got, I got you. Mm-hmm. We're going to make three tents. Now, the question there, and y'all can do your own questions, but probably is, why is he asking to make these three tents here mm-hmm. on this mountain? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we'll, re- we'll see later in the text what happens, what transpires. But I want to I want to give them a little cliffhanger so they can they can think through some questions. I, I know we're like both of us are kind of chomping at the yeah, bit like, yeah. oh, my goodness, there's yeah. so much going on here. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to figure out, uh, I want them to ask questions, but I also want to help them understand why these questions are important mm-hmm. here in the text yeah. um, as we think through it. Uh, but I do want to uh, kind of put a pin there and think through um, how you can work through these questions in a way that covers three areas that I want us to talk about. Yeah. Uh, one is going to be historical context, yes. historical context. The second is literary context. And then the third is what we call theological context. Mm-hmm. And we'll unpack um, all three of those so that when y'all start asking your questions, you can put them in those categories. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is historical. This is more literary. This is more theological, right? Yeah. So yeah. let's start with the historical piece. Uh, We've talked about this before, but uh, these gospels, these letters, uh, these books are written to a certain people Mm -hmm. from certain people. And it'll be good to know about those folks. And we kind of split it up into the three A's of historical context. Mm -hmm. You got the author, Mm -hmm. you got the audience and you got the atmosphere. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So it's important to know who the author is, because, again, if the Bible is inspired by God, um, God, however, did not dictate the Bible. These people were not merely uh, transcriptionists. <laughs> God used the persons and personalities of these individuals to record these um, um, 
these events and and to write uh, the scripture. So who writes it matters. Yeah. Um, because who they are, um, their background, their culture matters. That that's big. The author matters. It it matters also. We talked about it in one of our earlier studies as it relates to the authority of the text. Um, the reason we can trust the authority is because of the author. Mm-hmm. You know, we know divinely that's God, but also, especially in the New Testament, authors had, they were apostles or had connection, verification, um, had been uh, affirmed by apostles. And so mm-hmm. uh, I want to know who the author is. Now, in this text, the author is Matthew. Yeah. He's an apostle. He's one of the 12 that Jesus personally calls himself. So he's writing from his personal recollections. And I want to be clear because, you know, a lot of seminary today and a lot of smart people try to say, well, we don't know if Matthew really wrote this. Yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> we know he wrote it because the people who were alive when he wrote it said he wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the apostles said it and the students of the apostles said it mm. very, very early within the first century shortly after it's written and then in the early second century after it's written so right up against the writing people affirmed that the authors of scripture that we have are the true authors of scripture the authorship question didn't come out until hundreds of years later mm-hmm. again in in Europe attempting to undermine the authority of scripture so author is Matthew uh-huh. yeah. and, and that's 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 the question you're asking you're yeah. asking who is it that wrote this text? And then also, what do we know about this person? Mm-hmm. And we can we can tell you and we can tell you the resources you can use to learn about authorship. And they're pretty simple. And you'll be happy to know that you can learn that um, just by getting a simple resource that you may already have. Mm-hmm. But uh, Matthew is a Jewish writer. Yeah. Writing to a Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and the audience. Yeah, and that's his audience, right? And so he is someone who approaches the text from a Jewish perspective. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, he is a tax collector. We learn about mm-hmm. that in the gospel. Some of the stuff you learn from the what's called internal evidence of mm-hmm. the book. So mm-hmm. you can learn about the author based on what's written in the actual book itself. Some of it is going to come from external sources, but... We do know stuff about Matthew because we know about his call. His yeah. his name is Levi, mm-hmm. um, and he is someone who's a tax collector, despised by the Jewish people because he's kind of a, a puppet for the kingdom. And he's he, a traitor. He's a yeah, traitor. Yeah. They they hate tax collectors. As a matter of fact, when they say Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners, mm-hmm. they're putting them in that same category of the wide swath of sinners. So they yeah. hate it. The IRS of their day. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and they, they are often put in categories with the prostitutes. Yeah. Tax collectors and prostitutes mm-hmm. is, the, is the, like, they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because what tax collectors did is they didn't just collect taxes for Rome. Mm-hmm. They overcharged their own countrymen, uh, paid Rome their amount, but then they kept the overage. Yeah. And so people already oppressed the Jews were already being oppressed, already, already being taxed mm-hmm. by a foreign power, foreign entity, um, not fully independent as a nation. And then you're going to side with them. You're going to use their authority, the authority of my oppressor, mm-hmm. to oppress me further. Mm-hmm. That's who Matthew was before Jesus got him. That's good. Yeah. And then he's a tax collector, right? So 
uh, one of the things that's encouraging for me is that to see that Matthew, who is a tax collector, it's interesting. He's not selected to be the treasurer for the disciples. Mm-mm. Yeah, they they pick Judas. Judas. Yeah, that's a Jesus? whole another. That's a whole another. That's a whole another question. <laughs> <laughs> Why you pick the guy that's not qu- qualified? Yeah. To but but Matthew also writes more about money than any other gospel. He does. So God doesn't waste his gifts, right? Mm-hmm. So. So, but knowing about him, knowing that he's Jewish, helps us to read this text. It helps us to read this particular passage. The fact that he's Jewish and he's writing to Jews Mm -hmm. about Jesus' life, death, Mm -hmm. and resurrection Mm -hmm. helps us to understand that some of the things that we're going to say, like like the question about six days, Matthew is going to assume understanding Mm -hmm. because y'all should know this. You know what I mean? It's like it's like if one of us get up and run, all of us get up and run. Yep. We don't have to say why. We just all run together. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's just it's we just know that. Mm-hmm. We just know. You just know uh black eyed peas and greens on New Year's Day. Then nobody they, nobody explain you why. You just know you're supposed to eat it. Right. And then finally you figure out why sometime later. You know, that kind of thing. It it's some things are cultural and he assumes the cultural understanding mm-hmm. among his fellow countrymen. Yeah, and, and that's why you read Matthew's gospel with a Jewish lens. Mm-hmm. That's why you gotta understand the historical context. So the audience, again, is the... the And it matters to the meaning. Oh, absolutely, it matters. So we got the Jewish community with Jewish roots. That's why Matthew specifically, in his genealogy, Mm -hmm. takes it back to Abraham. Abraham. Even though there was somebody before Abraham. Right. Because he's like, the Jewish nation started with Abraham, and I'm talking to y'all Jewish folks. Luke takes it back to Adam. Yep. And that's an important reason for that. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that when we talk about the gospel distinctions. But... He's Jewish through and through. Yes. And he wants to be able to communicate with his people in ways that help them understand who this Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to I want to say, you know, it's significant also when you look at things like the genealogy. And and again, this is one book. So this is why understanding all of the book of Matthew matters, because the genealogy is connected to this passage. All of it is connected. But the genealogy specifically is connected to this passage. Um, you know, we'll go on and and. and and, and spoil it spill and say that, that what Matthew is writing is that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. We talked about that that term in our last study together. Um, he is the capital A, capital O, anointed one of God, the promised savior and king. But, but Matthew is specifically writing that mm-hmm. Jesus is God's promise to the Jews fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So when he does the genealogy, which is connected to chapter 17, we're talking about the promise fulfilled. Both of these are examples of that. Um, That's why there are 42 generations. Now, the truth is, biologically, there are more than 42 generations from from Abraham to Jesus. But for the sake of the promise, there are neat divisions, 14, 14, 14, Mm -hmm. because the numbers seven and the number six six days matter to the Jews. Yeah. And they mean something. They mean something to the Jews. Yeah. Yeah. And this is at a time where they're looking for the Messiah. Yes. They are looking for someone to come deliver them from this oppressive government. It, it is as bad as it has ever been. Rome is cruel. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the Caesars are, are despots. They are tyrants. Mm. Um, the Roman soldiers are, 
are um, aggressive and arrogant and um, Roman citizens versus those who were just under the Roman Empire. There was a very, very different lifestyle. Even what your legal rights were yeah. was different. This is Sermon on the Mount in Matthew is going to make, make sense because when Jesus says go the extra mile, if someone tells you to carry their pack a mile, go an extra mile, the Roman soldier had the right to tell you to carry his pack for a Roman mile. Yeah. And Jesus says carry one more mile. Mm. Same thing if they take your cloak, give them your shirt as well. The Roman soldier could just say to any commoner, hey, give me that coat. Mm. And you had to give it up. Um, and so that's all of those things culturally are significant. And that's why when you approach this passage, knowing, knowing that wider view mm. matters to interpreting this passage. And this is going to help answer for us why Jesus is shining. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. So as you read Matthew 17, keep that in mind. Keep the fact that Matthew is re- writing to a Jewish audience. And as you start to ask those questions, uh, you'll see some of those answers may come up, but uh, you may not get some answers, but you will definitely see the Jewish context around it once we get um, to that conversation. Now, We've talked about historical context a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about literary context. And this one isn't as sexy as the others. No, this is is the nerd part. (laughs) This is grammar context, like literary stylings and things like that. But it's immensely Mm -hmm. helpful Mm -hmm. to understanding the text. You cannot ignore the literary context of the text. That means grammar, that means sentence structure, that means things that will help you to understand what the writer is getting at and why they choose to place certain words in certain positions in the yeah, text. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the big things you, you'll see in terms of uh, word um, placement, it, it really matters when it comes to names especially. Mm-hmm. So it's Peter, James, and, and John. John. Yeah. It's always Whenever you see a list of the apostles or disciples, Peter's always first. Yep. Because it's saying he's the he's a leader. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the lead. I reference I reference Acts. You talking about when Priscilla? Oh no no. no. Oh well yeah I, that oh, oh. that part too. <laughs> I was gonna give the example of Barnabas and, Barnabas and Saul. And Paul, yeah. So when Paul the apostle first goes out on his missionary journey, he's the assistant. Mm-hmm. He's the assistant missionary. The, the, the principal is Barnabas. Yeah. And then there's a passage where it goes from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas, meaning that they switched roles. Yeah. Then you have this couple ooh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the New Testament. That's going to mess people up. That Paul calls his co-laborers, and he commends them often, and it's Priscilla and Aquila. Not Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila's the She's husband. She's first. A, husband, Aquila. Wife Priscilla and Priscilla's first. She's leading. Uh oh. <sighs> duck, John. Duck. <laughs> it, we always get in trouble. We always get in trouble. Always. It means that she was the leader. That's what the text says. And that's what the literary structure of the text comes across as that she is the leader. Um, and she's, they're a, a couple. Yeah. And she's leading the ministry team. Ooh. <laughs> getting sticky around here doc getting sticky around here and and then we have to interpret well what are we to gather from that yeah yeah so okay okay okay. (laughs) let's let's talk about literary context here Mm -hmm. in matthew because we we just looked at uh verse 28 and 16 yeah yeah but then the surrounding text is jesus 
letting these folks know about his impending departure. Mm-hmm. And Peter ain't happy about it. No, no. So, so, so in Matthew 16, um, 21, Jesus begins to tell him again. Yeah. He's already told them that he's going to die and rise. And he tells him again, hey, because Peter has just made the powerful declaration, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. This is in chapter 16. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And mm. then he goes right from this kind of victorious talk to what they think is like pessimism and defeat talk, mm. which is, well, they're going to kill me, y'all. <laughs> or they're going to they gonna come get me to, to kill me. And I got to die. And I'm, but I'm, you're going to be all right because I'm coming back again. Mm. And Peter's like, heck no, nah, doc. Hmm. Heck no. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter his adversary in that moment, yeah. influenced by uh, uh, by darkness and that which opposes the plan of God. Hmm. And and he tells them, look, now, I ain't the only one that's going to have a cross. <laughs> this is the context. It's literary context. I'm not the only one going to have a cross. You next. This chapter 16. Y'all going to have crosses, too. Mm-hmm. And everybody who, who's going to follow me yeah. is also going to have a cross. Mm-hmm. And then he says after six days yeah yeah hey let's go up here to this mountain mm. Mm. that's and he gives them this cliffhanger mm-hmm. i'm gonna be honest with y'all some of y'all won't even taste death yep until yep. y'all see me come around again yep. so they're like we ain't gonna die before what, wait, what does that mean before this, yeah, yeah. What, what is that what is and and then and then as far as matthew's concerned Ain't nothing major happening in six days. After six days. They eating and, and, and walking around <laughs> for six days. Mm-hmm. And and then we are Jesus' next thing after, you know, this very high proclamation of him as Christ, mm-hmm. and then this very difficult, troubling announcement that he's also gonna die on a cross, and then we also have to get these crosses. Mm. And for some, it's literal. We talked about it before. Peter's literally going to be crucified, yep. and he chooses to be crucified upside down because he's not worthy to hang in the same way his Savior hung. And and whew, listen, they got to sit with that for six days? Six whole days. Six whole days. Six whole days. And then now Jesus says, mm. all right, come on up. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, y'all stay here. I'm going to take these three yeah. up on the mountain. So the important thing about literary context is I tell folks all the time, you have to read inside out, Mm -hmm. which means you start in the chapter itself. Then you read the entire book Mm -hmm. and then you look at the new Testament corpus or body. Mm -hmm. And then you also look at potential old Testament references to Mm -hmm. this. And we'll talk about cross references at another point in time, but those are important for you to be able to identify Old Testament text that may reference this. And you're going to have to in this passage because you have Moses and Elijah. (laughs) That's it. So you're going to have to engage the Old Testament. You're going to have to engage the the Old Testament in the book of Matthew Mm. because he is proving that Jesus is the Messiah and their reference point for it. All of their understanding of it is going to be in the Old Testament. Yeah. 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 So um, I want to read uh, something in Exodus 24 just to wet the palate for them mm-hmm. uh, for this particular passage that deals with literary context. So, so let's say you have looked at the chapter, you have looked at the book, but then you say, where is Moses in all of this? And, and is there something that may demonstrate to us why Moses is here or why this may be connected to mm-hmm. Moses? Mm-hmm. So this is uh, chapter 24 where and, the... And John, go, before you read it, where did you get this Exodus 24 passage from in relation to, to Matthew 17 
it's called a cross-reference, yep. and there are innumerable resources for it. Sometimes in your Bible, mm. there will be cross-reference if you get a good study Bible. There's also a tool called the Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge. That's the GOAT. That has <laughs> wonderful, wonderful cross-references. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes it, it, you don't readily understand why mm-hmm. it includes a passage as a cross-reference, but many times it's a it's like, oh, I see mm-hmm. how these two texts are connected. So the treasury of scriptural knowledge is knowledge. You don't have to buy it. Mm. It is online. It's on blueletterbible.org. Free. In, in a bunch of other places, it is up there for you to use. For the free. For the for the free. <laughs> for free. So so here we have uh, Mo- Moses here with the covenant being confirmed and he goes up on the mountain. He goes up on the mountain. Yep. And yep. the cloud covers the mountain. That's verse 15 of, verse of 15. Exodus 24. Exodus 24, 15. Look at it again. He went up on a mountain, a mountain, cloud covered the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Verse 16. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And the cloud covered it. How many? How long? Six days. Yikes. So didn't, we, didn't we just see six did, days? We just saw six days. Where did we see six days? Was that in that's that was in Matthew seventeen uh-huh. one? Okay. So so the cloud covered this mountain for six days, mm-hmm. and on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Now the appearance of the Lord was like a devouring fire mm-hmm. on top of the mountain in the sight of the people. Moses entered the cloud, went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain. For 40 days and 40 nights. So this context, Mm -hmm. this six days. Oh, I want to answer something. (laughs) (laughs) I want to answer it too. I want to answer. But I want to leave them hanging a little bit. Yeah, let's leave them hanging. Let's not answer it. Let's not answer it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But look at that verse. Go back, read Matthew 17, and then think through, why is Moses, why is this connection Why is Moses there? Hmm. Why is Moses there? And and who is why are Peter, James, and John there? Yeah. Why are they there? Yeah. If if we're trying to affirm, if Matthew's saying that Jesus is the Messiah, mm. if Matthew the Jew author is telling his Jewish audience that Jesus is the Messiah, yeah. how do we know? What's another proof of that? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Let's talk I'm, briefly I'm, I'm here biting my tongue. I'm biting my tongue. about <laughs> parallel passages. Yeah. Because gospel accounts generally in many instances have the same account in different passages. We talked about the lens through which they look at it, mm-hmm. but some of them provide you with a little bit more detail yes. than other accounts would. Yes. And we find that in the gospel of Luke. And, and, and so you see Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we call them the synoptic gospels, S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C, synoptic, sin meaning same, optic, they see it the same. So much of the material in Mark, Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, much of it is the same. Um, they're writing um, about the same things, sometimes same words, same passages. Some people like to say, um, well, this happened because uh, they copied off one another's paper. And, and, but you got to remember, um, uh, Mark is recollecting, is writing down Peter's recollections. Matthew uh, was there himself. Mm-hmm. And then you got to remember you're dealing with an oral culture. Most people can't read and write. So ch- 
like any good club or mm-hmm. or fraternity or sorority or something like that, they memorize large blocks of information mm-hmm. yeah. as initiation and as a part of being in the community. So it's altogether likely and right and reasonable and proper culturally mm-hmm. that they would have these large stories, these these same stories and sayings of Jesus mm-hmm. memorized. Yeah, that's good. In the early church, especially the apostles, especially the apostles, mm-hmm. they would clearly have these things memorized because mm-hmm. in the Jewish culture, there were people who could m- recite all of the first five books of the Bible from memory. Yeah. That was a part of their culture. Mm-hmm. And if you were in a fraternity or sorority or something like that, you should understand that. That's mm-hmm. very, very, very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're called synoptic scene together. So many of the parallel passages are going to be in all three, or sometimes it's just in two, like this one's going to be in Matthew and in Luke. And then John is a different gospel, again, different author, different audience, written at a different time, and his gospel is constructed differently because he's making, he's doing another thing. Mm -hmm. God is using him to do another thing with his gospel. Yeah. So here's what I want you all to do. I want you to look at the parallel account in Luke's gospel. Uh, we'll, we'll post that also in the Grow Factor group so y'all can look at both of them. Mm-hmm. There's something, we're going to see two things. We're going we're gonna to give them a couple of nuggets here. Yeah. All right, so, so nugget number one, when y'all look at Luke's gospel, what you're going to find is uh, Peter is going to be helped out a little bit. Yeah. The Peter that was left on outside of that conversation, yeah. Luke says, I got you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Let me tell you what they were talking about. Yes. And Luke, in Luke's gospel, he says that they were talking with him about his departure. His departure. Now, that word don't, I mean, for us, it's like, okay, he's about to leave, right? So loaded. Oh, yeah. Because it literally, the Greek text says they were talking with him about his exodus. That's the word. The, the word there is exodus. Moses is there. Elijah's there. And they're talking about the exodus of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're we, we going to get into that. But we want to make sure y'all understand the weight of that word. It's not just his departure. It's they're not, talking about his own exodus with the man who led mm-hmm. Israel's exodus. Yeah. All right, let's talk about theological context here br- briefly, and then we're going to yep. let them give, leave them to themselves yeah, to yeah. be able to do this. And we'll give them a couple of resources here at the end. But theological context is essentially what does this text say about God? Mm-hmm. Um, how is God at work among God's people? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give them one nugget from this first verse with after six days. Yeah. Because there's a theological context around six days, Mm -hmm. and it goes back to Genesis and creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of creation was created in this six-day time frame, right? Right. And then the scripture says that that God himself rested on the seventh day. So what happens after six days? Sabbath. Sabbath. Rest. It's rest. So when we read here in the text, it says after six days— we got to look for Sabbath, mm-hmm. a rest for God's people. Yes. And the rest isn't a day in the text. 
it becomes a person. It's a person. That Jesus, after six days, becomes the rest of God in this text. Yeah. That he becomes the Sabbath rest for God's people. And this is why you got to read the whole book of Matthew, because Jesus is going to announce that it's available in chapter 11. Hmm. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And he's specifically talking about trying to keep the law. Specifically trying to talk about trying to fulfill the requirements of the law. He says, it's too heavy for you. Mm. So come to me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to rest. Mm. You, you'll find rest in your soul. Yes, sir. <laughs> he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I done born the work. I'm bearing the law for you mm. so that I'm leaving you with the law of love rather than mm. the restrictive law of Moses. And now we're going to see a physical manifestation to affirm mm. that Jesus doesn't just give rest. He is mm. that rest. Mm. And that's transfiguration. That's, mm. that's one of the theological mm. implications of this transfiguration. Yeah. yeah. That, and, that's why the six days is important. And we're going to unpack a whole lot more of this on our next session but we need y'all to go do some legwork now mm. we, we gave y'all some some tools to be able to ask some questions ask the questions we want y'all to be able to do some of that legwork because next time we come around we're going to talk about elijah mm -hmm. moses why they there mm -hmm. what god talking about from heaven yeah why he's speaking from heaven and and it's going to be john one of the big things is where this is exactly because this is a place Moses gets to that he wasn't allowed to before. Come on. See, now he just teased y'all with that one. But that's it. I mean, this is why it's important for you to have those cross references. Well, mm -hmm. how do I get those, Pastor John? How do I get those, Pastor P? Easy. Mm -hmm. uh, there are free resources online. We talked about Blue Letter Bible. We talked about Bible Gateway. Mm -hmm. uh, we have talked about uh, tre Treasure Scripture Knowledge. Here's another way that you can get those. Get you a good study Bible. Good study Bible. The ESV study Bible is one of my favorites, uh, published mm -hmm. by Crossway. Those study Bibles have notes to help you understand the historical, literary, and theological context. They give you the cross-references that mm -hmm. you need. Yep. Uh, we can probably do a session uh, in the Grow Factor group just to show you how to look at the cross-references but don't skip over all those verses that they have in the margins mm -hmm. to help you understand the verse in the text because cross references will help you understand the historical and the literary and the theological context. And, and I want you to know that you don't have to figure all of this out. God has graced us with people who do this kind of scholarship for a living. Yeah. And so the cross references, the cultural questions you're going to ask, there are people who have dug in the dirt archaeologically to discover some <laughs> things, people who have researched historical documents to discover some things, um, people who have looked through these texts meticulously yeah. and seen the ones, they identified the ones that, that are sewn together by purpose and intent of God. And, and they are, and again, these people are not infallible. We're not saying that they, they don't ever, they're not ever wrong, but we're saying that there is a great bit of information to help you understand because sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes listen to me carefully sometimes the question you ask <laughs> and the answer you seek is sitting right in the footnote in your bible for sure yeah in in a cross reference or in in some bibles they're going to be like when a word 
is significant, they'll tell you what the word means or an alternative mm-hmm. translation for the word. Mm-hmm. It's sitting right there in a footnote in your Bible. And so the truth is, I'll be through with it when I say, the truth is, understanding the Bible happens when you handle it more. Mm. And that's what we want to get you to. That's good. Yeah. That's good. One other free resource for you all is the Easton Bible Dictionary. Mm-hmm. It's a free dictionary that helps you to look up person, places, things. Mm-hmm. If you come across a place that you don't know, yeah, look up or Google the Easton Bible Dictionary. It's free online. It'll help you kind of understand that person, place, or thing. Yeah, coins and units of measurement, all of those things. You know, uh, um, what is a what is a shekel? <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. You can. You can what's the what's a what's a what's a minor you know mm-hmm. those kind of things they they help you understand and um, and yeah it's it's just about it's about looking around you know it's about looking around. It took everything in us. Oh, I want to not to. Oh, I want to unpack. I want to teach this <laughs> and teach this thing, but we want to equip you all slow walk with the tools to dig deeper. So. Yeah. That's why we decided to kind of hold off on doing some unpacking because my soul was getting happy <laughs> once again. And uh, we appreciate you all for joining us this go round. But now y'all have something you need to go and do to help your you to dig deeper as we continue to work through this together and make it make sense. So I want you all to follow us on our Facebook group. We're going to be able to continue and engage you in these conversations over there. The Growth Factor also follow us subscribe to our podcast the growth factor in all major podcast platforms however you do it we're hoping that you do what we promise here and that's that you grow here this has been the growth factor a broadcast ministry of saint mark baptist church be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our facebook group the growth factor for daily motivational content let's keep the conversation going Thank you for listening.